0: You're listening to The Amplify Podcast, where we discuss topics related to being a student at the University of Michigan. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Amplify Podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about classism within the University of Michigan and academia in general. Now, classism has impacted many of us during our transition to UMICH and Ann Arbor, and in recent news of admission scandals at Stanford and elitism within academia has brought the issue to the forefront of all of our lives. While this episode's main focus is on class diversity, if you're interested in hearing students discuss cultural diversity, please check out our student panel discussing the topic on YouTube, it's the previous episode, it's really good. Today, we're joined by a student panel to discuss issues of classism during their transition into the UMish community, how to find support and hopes for the future.
1: So hi, my name is Rachel. Uh, My pronouns are she, they. I am from Northville, Michigan and I am a public health sciences major within the School of Public Health.
2: And Hi everyone, my name is Evelyn Reyes, pronouns she, her, hers. I proudly hail from Fresno, California. I'm majoring in organizational studies with a double minor in business and community action in social change.
3: Hello everyone, my name is Esso. I'm from Chicago. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm studying sociology and social work within the College of LSA.
4: Hello, all. My name is Dallas McGee-Henry. I, my pronouns are he, him, his. I'm in the uh, College of LSA studying film, television, and media studies, born and raised in Detroit but currently live in East Point.
0: Thank you guys so much for joining us.
5: Yeah. and. Uh, Some of you may recognize Evelyn from our previous episode so shout out to her for being on two panels in a row and just thank you in general to all of our guests for being with us. So getting started. Our first question to you all is what was it like for you when you arrived in Ann Arbor um, at the University of Michigan in general.
1: Yeah, so i moved out um the second semester of my freshman year so my first semester of um i I, you know i went to community college first um so my first semester i lived at home and it was really horrible (laughs) so then i moved out um and i just remember being really kind of self-conscious of being at community college because i lived with michigan students and I somehow felt that being at community college was like embarrassing, you know, that they were um, kind of like judging me or something or that like, cause I would go to the library and study with them. And like, I was sitting there, like, I feel like I'm an imposter because <laughs> you know, everybody's walking around and I was like, you can't tell what anybody's thinking. You can't tell what, you know, is going on in their head. But I perceive myself as like on a lower level than them because I went to community, which was ridiculous. You know, as soon as I got in here, I'm like, wait, Everybody like that, you know, that was like a lie. Everybody's like exactly the same as me. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was just, I just felt um, kind of, it was like a little bit of a culture shock too. Like um, everything was so expensive, (laughs) you know like all the downtown shops, like if I wanted to go in and get something, I remember like I saw this super cute mug um, over by like the, I think it's like the arcade um, on State Street. And it was $36 this mug was $36. And I was just kind of like, and it's the same thing in every little one of those stores, you know, like you pick up anything, and it's super overpriced. And, you know, every little restaurant, it's like, and I worked at Pizza House. So like, it's just pizza, the food is really not that good. But it was so expensive, even with like the employee discount. Um, And I was just, I was just shocked, because, you know, I, I didn't come from like, a super low income area, like North was actually pretty wealthy. So I was like confused, you know, because it's like, I think these two areas are pretty similar, you know, and I guess socioeconomic background and everything, but the prices for Ann Arbor were just super, super, super inflated. And it didn't make sense to me, as like a college town that it would be that way.
3: I think the feeling that I had was, uh like the feeling of worry when first coming to Ann Arbor or just Michigan in general, because I literally had never stepped foot in the state or in the town. Just I've, I've basically only ever been in Chicago. And so me being here, in a like a, it's a majority white town. Chicago is kind of diverse, but depends on which area. So I came from a majority Latinx area. So um, very different from what I was used to. And slowly but surely, you know, my worries started to fade away as soon as I got here because I was in the Summer Bridge Program. Summer Bridge Program brings a lot of like diverse students on campus before their first fall semester. And there I got to meet like a lot of Chicago, a lot of Chicago students that that were students from Chicago. And me bonding with them was like, okay, I can find my community here as well because I know what they know. I know they've had the similar experiences as I, um but you know I was still kind of feeling worried because I would identify myself as an introvert so I don't really like a lot of like social interactions like for me I like to stay stay inside my room and just like watch uh Netflix or anime or anything like that so it was like I'm gonna have to really try hard to find my community here because I don't (laughs) I it's very hard for me to like initiate friendships they have to come up uh a little bit more passive but yeah, my my general, my general thing was that I was worried coming here first.
2: Yeah, and I would share similar sentiments as Saúl. So as I previously mentioned in the diversity episode, I didn't really have money to come out, to fly out from California to Michigan to visit the school. So had to rely on the best next thing, the internet. So YouTube definitely got me through a lot of like, gave me information about what campus would look like, but it was definitely different once I got here. Um, but my experience when I first arrived, it was also through, through the summer bridge program. Um, and I moved in by myself, so it was just my 50 pound suitcase and me against the world because my, my parents couldn't really fly out and also help me move in. So I would say like as a low income out of state student, it was tough, you know, like moving everything in and like seeing everyone getting dropped off by their parents and like some people bringing a lot of stuff, other people like very little. Um, but I, I also think it was just like a, a humbling experience. I definitely like met some of my closest friends through Summer Bridge. Um, my roommate, Rima, was actually my first friend at Michigan and she definitely like gave me a warm welcome to SummerBridge. Um, but yeah, similar to what was shared, like I didn't really really realized what I was getting myself into until like at Summer Bridge they were like oh this group is as diverse as it gets whether that's like racially and ethnically but also in terms of socioeconomic status um so sometimes like I think back and I I do sometimes feel out of place because I'm Latina but I feel like even more so just because I'm low income at the school is what makes me feel out of place but um yeah I definitely was able to find community which we'll we'll talk about
4: later, but yeah, that was my experience. For me, my experience was kind of, I don't know, it was weird because uh, it wasn't my first time in Ann Arbor. Uh, I used to come to the Ann Arbor Film Festivals a few times, which um, is right on uh, the campus, right at the uh, Michigan Theater. So um, I always liked Ann Arbor from the times that I actually came and visited, but when I like actually got accepted to the uh, university I was like, oh sweet, this is kind of cool. I'm actually gonna be going to school down in Ann Arbor. So um, I was like pretty excited. And I don't think, actually, I'm pretty sure I underestimated everything that was gonna happen as soon as I was gonna like actually get on campus. Because the first day of classes, I was, I looked like a tourist. I always say like, just walking around, like I've been here before. (laughs) Like, why am I acting so new to certain things? But I'm, oh. It was like I stepped in a, a new world as soon as I like got off the bus because I was a commuter student my first semester. And I've actually only experienced the campus through that first semester because I had transferred in during the COVID semester. So I was only there for two and a half months. Um, and that two and a half months, I was commuting on the Detroit Connector to get uh, back and forth from Ann Arbor to Detroit because I couldn't afford housing. And that uh, that's a, a giant conversation there, but it's just transferring it to the winter semester, I didn't even know how to even go about looking for housing. Um, but then when I found out how to go about looking for housing, I didn't have the money to go into housing anyway. So I thought it was going to be more cost efficient if I was to commute from home, which in a sense it was, it was just a hassle to just get up every morning at six o'clock to get to Midtown Detroit, just to get to Ann Arbor at 8.30 to make it to my nine o'clock Greek class. Um, so uh, definitely took a toll on me after like the first week, like this is going to be my... Schedule for the next fourteen weeks, uh, and then like even just if I had a late class and I had to, uh, the bus ended at like five five thirty, and I had some labs that got out at like eight, and some some days I would come on the bus, but I have to like go back home on an Amtrak, to take me back down to Midtown and just go home for Midtown. It was it was a hassle, but it was I had to do all of that because I just couldn't afford to live in Ann Arbor. Um it, it, was, it was definitely tough to be a commuter student, being a transfer student, and then just being a community college transfer at that, because I went to Oakland Community College, which was an amazing college. But um, I always say nothing in the world could have prepared me to just to go to experiencing a community college size campus to the University of Michigan, sitting in one of my first classes, um, that had a hundred students. I have never done that before. And I'm so big on sitting in the front of classes, even in like small settings, because I will get distracted by the back of people's heads if I sit in the back of classes. But I remember my first time I stepped into my intro to film class, I sat in the front and this was a giant lecture hall. And um, it's just, I was just looking at the front But when the class started, I just turned around and just saw so many people and just like, this is, this is different, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a different world. And I'm not used to this at all. Just all these people are now looking at the back of my head, and it was just I got self conscious. Like people are just staring at the back of my head right now. But um, (laughs) it was it was definitely a transition. Uh, It was a lot to get used to. um, Just sitting in all these classes with these um, students who've been here before, who've um, experienced university before, and people who could just wake up and just like walk the class because that just was not my case.
0: Thank you guys. Now, one of the things I'm kind of picking up on is we kind of hear everybody's um, first experiences here in Ann Arbor. Um, There's a lot of talk about apprehension and difficulties, like, or I guess worry is probably the better word, about um, paying for all the different components that go into being here. Now, my question, just if everyone could give a few words. do you think your experience with that fear of money and fear of uh, or your apprehension towards um, housing and paying for tuition and all that, do you think that's a uh, a trait shared by most people here at the university, or do you think that you are in the minority with those fears.
2: I can go ahead and open this up. Uh, I I think we're in the minority. Uh, I see people who their parents are still paying for their housing, they live in nice high rises. They're talking about where their next vacation is going to be. I definitely think they don't have worries that a lot of us share here. So I I would say, yeah, the minority. I
3: would definitely agree. I think at least for me, it's like it's another labor that I have to do, that I have to figure out, that I have to think about. just making sure I can afford like, budget or uh, making sure that I can budget everything and, and like get the bare necessary like food, water, all that stuff. Um, and I think it's a lot of it's it's a labor that a lot of uh, low SES students have to deal with that a lot of people don't have to. Like when I heard that people were having their rent paid for by their parents, I was I was amazed. I was like, wow, that's that that's such. That's such a blessing and a privilege to have that because for me like I pay my own rent so I have to make sure I have like housing or have the money to pay for housing every single month so definitely agree.
4: I would also say pretty much the minority if this is if the stat is I'm not in the minority everyone else they're like great at acting because um I feel like I just. I don't know. I just have so many, I complain about money all the time. Uh, Cause I don't want to say money's one of my worries, but I just, I don't have it, <laughs> but, and uh, just coming into situations, even just outside of the university, I'm so <laughs> Mr. Krabs about my money sometimes. Like I, I have to do this and I got to buy this and this is on sale. Okay. I'll get this stuff on sale. Coupons. Oh man. I love coupons sometimes. I'm I'm definitely going to be that. I was gonna say older guy, I, I do it right now. But um, just even in like small communications on kind of the comparison of what other students have is what I have and how other students do what they do and uh, relying on their parents to do a lot of things. I come from a single parent household and um, I'm not the only student that my mom has in college. So um, it's, a, it's a lot of, I've been for myself while my mom just handles a lot of what's going on in the house. So um, I definitely feel like I'm in the uh, minority because I hear a lot of people who get things handed to them by their parents.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. This is actually why I brought this up because like the community that I come from, like my family, in comparison to the rest of the state, we would be considered like above the average and, you know, and so is everybody I went to high school with. And so many of those kids got into Michigan and it's like Ann Arbor is kind of the same deal, you know, where it's like most people that live in Ann Arbor are pretty wealthy, you know, the kids from Ann Arbor public schools. But then I just remember we did a project for class once we were looking at, um, you know, college admissions at Michigan from Ann Arbor versus Ypsilanti. And I think like 30 or like 30, it was just like, I can't remember the exact number, but in comparison to Ypsilanti, it was it was one student from Ypsilanti public schools that got into the University of Michigan, which was just insane to me because it's like, it's right there. You know, it is literally right next door, but um, it's just, And it's like, you know, coming from me, who is, I guess, like, in the average, you know, I come here and I'm like, okay, well, this is supposed to be like the baseline, right? Like, I know where my family and like, you know, where my community stands from, like, I know, like, what we are, compared to, um, I guess, just like the average, this is supposed to be affordable, but why does it seem expensive to me? Why, you know, am I, I just remember, um, like we were just talking about the high rises. When I was looking for new housing, I called one of them, because I wasn't sure how much it was. And they said it was like, uh, like 1,600. And I was like, oh, okay, like for, you know, what, like the whole apartment? No, it it was that much for half a room. For half a room, it was almost $2,000. And I was like, who is living here? But people are living there, you know? <laughs> so it's just like, clearly, you know, somebody's able to afford this. But I was like, well, where are you all you guys coming from? Because there's like at least like six of those, you know, that I can think of, you know, of those high rises. And it's just, it's just insane. And I know they're supposed to have like one or two like affordable units, but that's one or two out of the entire building and that's still expensive you know, and it's just the median rent for Ann Arbor is insane because, you know, my friends that went to Michigan State or like Western and Kalamazoo, their rent's like 300, $400. So it doesn't make any sense that, you know, the University of Michigan should be so much more compared to like those other schools.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also important to kind of just jumping back on something that Dallas said, where he said, if, if I'm not in the minority, then everyone's doing a really good job acting. I think it's important to point out that, um, Here at the University of Michigan, the median household income for students is around $154,000. That's according to um, a study done on uh, tax records. I can link that study in the description in case you're you're interested. And just for context sake, in the state of Michigan, according to census data, um, the median household income is about $57,000. So it's almost three times that of what the median income is here so in a lot of ways people who find themselves with economic uh i guess struggles for lack of a better term do end up in the minority and do kind of have a lot of their uh experiences kind of overshadowed by kind of like the larger like i guess spending culture that does go on here at at umish um but thank you guys for kind of touching on that because i think having that um Come from like you coming from the actual students who are are dealing with that is super important, Um, and kind of that actually segues us into our next question about um, how do you guys feel your class or your socioeconomic status um, impacts the way you interact with the campus and interacts and the way you interact with your peers on campus.
4: So for me kind of just going back to the way I transitioned into the university. I worked at my community college um, as a work study student. So once I left my community college, so did my job. So um, I was, my first semester I was there at um, the University of Michigan, I was pretty broke and like more broke than I should have been because I didn't have a job. Um, So in terms of like interaction, Because of where I was socioeconomically, it was kind of small because a lot of what I was doing was looking for a job and um, trying to work because once again, I had to afford my transportation back and forth to school. That was one of my biggest concerns through the the whole semester was how am I going to afford to get back and forth to school. I, I rarely did any other kind of like social events on campus. Well, I did like a few transfer events that fit into my schedule, but um, a lot of it was just get your homework done and then try to hustle some up some money to get back and forth to school, which definitely played a, a part down the line because I didn't really, I, I just didn't, I didn't know anyone. And um, a lot of it was because I wasn't putting myself out there to meet people because I had different worries in my head uh, that were just, kind of controlling my thoughts and controlling a lot of my actions, um, which now down the line, I say, was def- definitely impacted me a lot, because I still feel like even though I have met a lot of people through the zoom world, it's st- I still haven't met a lot of people. Um, so it, it really the my money situation coming to school really detracted me from even making certain conversations because I felt like I couldn't keep up with what was going on anyway. Um, with just the other students and the student life at the school.
3: I think for me, my like low socioeconomic status kind of dictates who I interact with the most because I, will, I don't have to explain why I do things to people because, like, they already know, like, we, we know we're, we're not, uh, like, wealthy, or we are nowhere we're working class, so I, we know certain things, and why we do those certain things, and I don't have to like, explain myself on why I have to do specific uh, actions, and so most of the people uh, that I know here um, are low SES, and most people, most of my friends are low SES, so, like, it's kind of, Eases my anxiety and makes made my transition here a lot better, just because I got to know them more. Um, and I just kind of just calms me down a little bit because like I don't have to just do extra labor that I don't that I don't have to worry about like if I if I were to interact with a lot of like um, wealthier students. I just I just I don't know I don't, I don't know how I would kind of relate to them as much as, as I relate to my fellow uh, like working class peers like I don't I don't know it'd be kind of hard but um, although I think it does it does limit me to the people that I do know because since there's like we're in the minority like I know a chunk of the minority but I don't know the majority of these students because of how like wealthy they are but overall I do think like my my class or socioeconomic status just dictates who I talk to and who I interact with the most because we relate we relate to each other's experiences and it's just it's way easier (laughs) way easier to uh, talk with people that have similar experiences
2: yeah uh, i would continue saying like it does create an isolating experience again if you are the low scs uh side of things um i remember being in a class and they asked us like oh like why did you come to college you know this why are they even asking but a lot of people were sharing like oh i came for the experience to find myself and i think I, I just thought that was crazy. Cause like so many of us are coming over here to college that are either first generation or like low SES. And like, we're trying to build generational wealth. Like we're on this whole journey to like support our whole community. And there's like just so many people counting on us that coming to college isn't even just about yourself. It's like, yeah, like breaking the cycle of poverty. So um, when it comes to like hearing responses of like, oh, I'm just like here for the experience. I just think that's wild. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean like I don't necessarily partake in like what some of those experiences are like studying abroad, like I for sure have gotten support to like do those types of things, but that's not like main reason I'm brain main reason I'm here. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes it's just A little frustrating, for example, when I see people walking around with like Canada ghost jackets and I'm like they're literally wearing my loans. So it's just insane to me like how how much wealth some people have, um,
1: yeah, that's that's really all I have to say. And that's a great point, Evelyn, because I was actually just reading an article about um, how you know that those reasons that you were talking about, like why did you come to college, like independent versus interdependent reasons, are kind of looked down upon by admissions officers when you when you know they say why do you want to come here, and you know for people who, um, you know, aren't low SES, they're like, well, I want to find myself, you know, I want to grow as a person. But, you know, people who are going to college, you know, for their future financial security, you know, they're more likely to say that or, you know, um, they want to help their families after college or something like that. But that is seen as somehow like a less, like, not as good of a reason as personal growth, you know, but it's, that's such a you know a lie because literally everybody is going I, I mean I shouldn't say everybody I'm sure there are people that generally go to college to learn but mostly everyone I know no matter what background they're from they're going to college because they think it's what they have to do you know to like succeed in society to get a job you have to get a degree and that's kind of I think just what like the norm is is you go to college to get a job but you know obviously that's not the reality. Um, you know I think everybody's just lying on their admissions essays if they're saying they want you know anything other than that but to be able to say that I want to come here to you know experience personal growth it's really just kind of like a privilege you know um but that's you know again somehow perceived as more or like better um or I guess um what was I saying just like a better reason, it's it's just it's just perceived better by the people who are letting people into the school, which is ridiculous. But um, to answer the actual question, um, how do I feel? My like, you know, my classes and it affected me interacting with other people. I haven't really had the chance to interact with anybody, you know, because of Zoom. So I I was just kind of in my house like the whole time uh, that I was on campus. <laughs> you know, I was I was with my roommates, which was cool because like, but they were mostly grad students. Um, So I wasn't really interacting with anybody, but I am very conscious of the fact that like, you know, the community I came from, although everybody was kind of on the same level there, that is, we are very much like in a bubble, like kind of the suburbs of Detroit, you know, the whole, like every town around me is kind of like a, like a red line sundown town thing. So it's like a whole lot of generational, like, wealth that isn't the norm, but like, it seemed like it was, but I'm like, I'm aware of that now, you know, so I, I try to not I just don't discuss it. I don't ask, you know, what anybody's parents do. I don't ask where they came from. I don't ask what they're doing here, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I just don't bring it up because, you know, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable.
5: Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate everything everybody's been talking about. Um, I just want to add some points to that. Um, I I also feel like the fact that we have to work while we're in college and not like just for college, just for like work experience, but like, because we actually need to work to be able to pay for like our food and our bills and things like that, because our parents aren't maybe, you know, helping us. Um, And I think uh, when, you know, when I was at community college, I worked full time. Actually, and went to class in the evenings, um, and so I went part time, which is why it took me four years to finish community college. Which to some people, um, you know, who maybe are don't have the same experience as me, think like, why would you have to go for that long? And it's like because that's how I could afford it, um, because I was paying out of pocket. You know, later on, I ended up getting you know better scholarships and and whatnot, but. Um, but at least the first two years of community college, I paid completely with my own money um, and then had to pay you know, all my bills. I didn't live at home. Um, and so those, those costs really add up. And I think now that I'm at U of M and I'm looking at like all this summer summer work and things like that, there are so many unpaid internships that I'm like, this is so unrealistic. These opportunities, quote unquote, opportunities <laughs> to work for free um, are, are so geared towards people with with um, more income and whose parents are paying because they can just be like, oh, well, all my stuff is already getting paid for. I can afford to work for free um, so that I can gain these experiences. Um, meanwhile, people like us are like, that sounds like a great experience. That's something I'd love to do, but I can't do it for free. Like I have to spend my time making actual money <laughs> if I want to like survive. Um, and I think that's that's been a big point of stress for me uh, moving to Ann Arbor. Uh, furthermore, I think that the fact that we're going to college alongside the children of lawyers and doctors and executives and CEOs and politicians um, makes it really hard to feel like I belong. And I know that helps uh, or that—that that certainly is the way a lot of others like us feel. Um, you know, my <laughs> my mom when I, my mom was a cleaning lady at Holiday Inn, and my dad worked at Burger King when I was a baby. Um, and even now, my dad works third shift in a factory, and my mom's unemployed. Like, it's <laughs> and and I'm going to class alongside people like Sasha Obama. Okay, and like no, that that's amazing to me. Don't get me wrong, that's amazing to me because on one hand I'm like I can't believe I even get to exist in the same realm as somebody who is the president or like the daughter of a president. That that's like unbelievable to me. But at the same time, of course I feel that yeah, this reminder that like there are people here who have an experience or like the support and resources that I can't even possibly touch. Um and, and that can be really discouraging at times. Um, and that, that, that also gives a lot of these students um, an, an academic advantage as well, because in a way they're able to focus on their school and classes and homework without these other thoughts, as Dallas said, you know, you're not having to sit here thinking like, oh, how am I gonna make enough money so that I can do this, so that I can do that. Um, and, and yeah, so I feel like I, when I moved to Ann Arbor, my number one biggest concern and stress the year that I lived there before the pandemic was money. I was far more stressed out about money and paying my bills than I was about any classes. I did well in all of my classes, I was getting A's. That that didn't compare to the amount of stress that I felt over how am I gonna pay my extremely high Ann Arbor rent? Um, And and the fact that I have to deal with that and so many of us have to deal with that while other students are living in high rises that cost two grand a month. Um, You know, no, I'm not trying to hate on them. I'm just saying that there's a disparity there. Um, And it it can be really discouraging. Um, And then finally, I I also just wanted to touch on uh, I watched the documentary Operation Varsity Blues, which is it goes into the whole college scandals. Uh, the admission scandals that happened at Stanford. And that that really that really drove home for me this idea that like there are students who, you know, I don't, I, I can't speak to what's going on behind the scenes at U of M, but there are students who have more money so that they can do better on their SATs, on their ACTs. Um, who are getting private tutors um, throughout high school who are able to get private lessons in sports and so are able to get to a really high achieving level um, to the point where they're getting um, you know scholarships for sports like crew and fencing and you know maybe sports that like people like us never could have even afforded to play in the first place. Um, and so, so yeah watching that documentary I recommend it. Um, it really kind of draws attention to this like hierarchy and this elitism that exists within higher education that I think a lot of wealthier students just get to ignore. They just get to just be like, yeah, this is a thing doesn't bother me. Meanwhile, we're down here thinking like, how can I get by? How can I make this work? And and I think that's just a really um, frustrating part of this but also I have hope that things are gonna go in a better direction.
0: Yeah. And kind of just like highlighting a little bit of what June was saying and going back to some of Evelyn and Rachel's points. Um, so I'm in the econ department here at, uh, at UMICH. I'm studying economics and um, I'm thankful and, and privileged to come from a, um, a probably higher socioeconomic status than the median. But with that being said, being in the econ department is very interesting um, because you're full of like half of it, just like you're average UMish student and the other half are the sons and daughters of capital owners and i think that's an important distinction to make there like there's different like high socioeconomic status definitely gives you advantages especially in this uh academic environment but then when you're talking about being uh descended from capital owning owning uh people that's a whole new ball of game and so being around those types of people is like wow like I, I am very cognizant of the fact that I'm uh, thankful to not have to deal with a lot of the struggles that people who are my contemporaries who are coming from com- the community colleges I came from have to deal with, but talking to those guys, like they're nice people, they mean well, but like, oh, they're different worlds, some of them. Um, but, uh, I think to kind of say uh, the quiet part out loud, um, touching on kind of June, what you said about like, Oh, um, uh, we go to school with, uh, Sasha Obama. And, um, I think, uh, I think someone dropped in our chat here for the, for the episode that, um, Madonna's daughter came here too. Um, I think, and this is not just a Umish problem. This is a problem with academia in general. Oftentimes, the message being sent to community college transfers or low-income students, especially those who need to qualify for, <clears throat> to use UMICH's own uh, uh, programs, just for an example, uh, people who need to qualify for the Go Blue Guarantee, oftentimes the message that's kind of underpinned with that is, um, oh, aren't you so lucky? Aren't you so so lucky to, to have the, the honor to come and study with the ruling class? Um, to come and study alongside those who are going to shape society. You can, and hopefully some of that can brush off on you. But at the end of the day, you should be thankful and you should have uh, this sense of awe that kind of comes with that, uh, th- that golden ticket, so to speak. Um, and I think that sort of mindset from an academic institution, and again, UMICH is not the only one that does this. This is academia at large that has this problem having that kind of mindset uh definitely furthers that class divide because in an ideal perfect world academia is supposed to be a place of peers coming together to just learn more shit at the end of the day um but that division there that wedge of um oh you, these are people who are different than you. These are people who are above you, at least in in this like class hierarchy way. Um, that creates a lot of these systemic problems that we see kind of going back to what Evelyn and Rachel were saying about like the difference between the people who are like, oh no, I'm trying to get some uh, um, inherited wealth here that at least will start with me and maybe like trickle out to my family. The difference between starting from there versus starting from, oh yeah, my parents own X and Y company. Um, And having kind of that elitism that kind of comes with that mentality, um, definitely I feel like um, puts a lot of incoming students who are trying to kind of undo a lot of that systemic poverty. It kind of does them a disservice at least to have that mindset going into it from an academic perspective or academic institutions perspective i should say because it's not the fault I, th- I don't think at least it's not the fault of the students themselves if that environment isn't fostered from the higher ups does that make sense
5: yeah i i agree with that elias um so moving on um so so we have all these problems okay obviously um but what is there on campus, you know, to help? And it turns out there's actually a lot of different resources that are available. And so we're asking each of our panel members, you know, what are different resources on campus that have been helpful in supporting you during your time here at U of M um, in regards to the issues that we've been talking about?
2: Yeah, so to kick this off, um, one of the like holy grails for me is a Google Doc resource called Being Not Rich at UMish. Um, We'll link it below, but it's basically a document that guides you through like, if you want a research position, like as a either first-gen low SES student, like how do you do that? How do you start building those relationships? A lot of things that, a lot of knowledge that you would have gained, like for example, if your parents were, um, if your parents had graduated from college. So I think it's really um, just an important guide to show you of, like how to navigate the resources at Michigan, because I think there's so many, but a problem that exists is the University of Michigan is such a decentralized system where there's little pockets of like golden nuggets, but you don't really know about them unless someone tells you about them or like you get an email. Um, But some of those pockets of nuggets, uh, one that has supported me since the start has been CSP, the Comprehensive Studies Program. Um, I've received, free mentorship through there, um, extended advising appointments with an advisor who actually was low SES or um, graduated as a first gen college student. So instead of like, I definitely feel more comfortable going and speaking with him because if I tell him like, hey, you know, I had to pick up a third job. I know he's not just going to tell me, oh, just drop the jobs and focus on your studies because he understands and like he's able to relate to those circumstances. Um, and then another one I would like to highlight really briefly is, um, the food stamps program. So since I received work-study, I am eligible for food stamps since I no longer live on, on campus technically. I'm in my own apartment now. Um, that's definitely like something that has helped. Um, just like knowing that for sure I will have money to pay for my food and like that is covered takes a lot of stress off of my plate. Um, and then lastly, I just want to highlight the Alice Sine laptop loan program. Um, when I was coming into college, I was nervous about, okay, I'm already taking out loans. Now I need to purchase an actual device, but the university like provided us with a brand new MacBook air. And I don't know if it's just for our year for the ongoing years as well, but we were actually, were able to keep it. Um, but I think the program in general is, uh, you'll get a laptop loan for four years. And then when you graduate, you have the option to either purchase it for the price that it is going at at that point, or um, you can give it back.
4: For me, when I first got here, and uh, it's also a resource that I still use, um, is the Opportunity Hub. I just was told um, by one of my professors one day when I was venting to her in her office about everything that was just going on. Um, That was probably, that was the first place she pointed me to, and I haven't retracted since well I've slowed down since COVID a little bit but um I remember just making appointments to see them and I feel like I've been there like four times and that was just in that first two and a half months that I was at the university and um they just point me to different opportunities at the university that could help me for instance I remember the first time I went was primarily just talking about funds and work-study opportunities and they it helped me look for jobs and other type of uh, resources that can fund me uh, on campus. A lot of it was just uh, work study that I was looking into. And um, I remember I had a meeting about scholarships because, um, uh, once again, can't afford it, can't afford school. But um, also, I don't feel like I should have to pay for school. I don't feel like anyone should have to, have to pay for school. So. Um, <laughs> I'm so big on scholarships, uh, so they pointed me in directions on how I can go and look for certain scholarships, but um, I say all this to say that um, they just helped me really like just point me in the right direction to, especially if they didn't know the answer they will point me in the direction of someone who will know the answer. Um, And that's probably just the main source that opened up so many doors at the university it's the main it's the reason that i joined the optimized community because i got a email from uh kyleen tyler about optimizing everything that they stand for um it's the reason i was i was getting involved in things even remotely um opportunity hub i'm gonna just speak on them Then also i was big on like a lot of things that what make certain things better for me always is just to talk about it. Uh, so I was at the Caps Office like every Thursday just to speak on things that were on my mind just for my mental health and um, just the reassurance that everything that I'm feeling is completely normal, is completely valid. Uh, that really helped me out. I think for me, the researchers that
3: I, like the most was kind of similar to Evelyn's as well CSP has been a really great uh program to kind of find that was enabled me to find my own community but I think from there I would say other like low SES students that were upperclassmen also helped me a lot Uh, I think during my freshman year I was I adamantly like I guess sought out other upperclassmen that also had the same identities as me. And I like asked the question like, what classes should I take? Or like, how do you save money on campus and stuff like that? Um, so I, especially if any first years are listening right now, definitely like, you know, seek out upperclassmen that have similar identities and ask them questions, just anything, I think they'd be more than willing to help. And then I guess if you ever meet me on campus next year, you know, I'll be always willing to help as well anyone out here as well. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that was, would be my, uh, the research that
1: I've, I think I would highlight as well. I can't think of like a ton of resources right off the top of my head, just because like, you know, there wasn't, I wasn't ever really on campus. I've literally never even been in the school of public health. <laughs> Um, but one thing I did want to say is that I applied to, um, information. I applied to LSA and I applied to public health. I got in to all three, but I was admitted into LSA as a CSP participant. They wanted me to be in comprehensive studies, but I didn't go to LSA and I somehow wasn't able to be like, nothing else was said to me about it. And I was like, well, can I still do this? Like, I think this program could really help me, but I wasn't an LSA. So there was like, nothing really there. And that was really confusing to me because, you know, it's still the University of Michigan. Like, why am I not, you know, being told about these things? Or why am I being kind of like going through extra steps just because I'm not in the College of LSA? It didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, you know, especially because everybody like um, cross campus transfers like into public health were in LSA first, you know, so it doesn't make any sense that that program was just kind of shut off. <laughs> but that, that's something thing that I'd really like to kind of like talk to the school about is like, why is this smaller college not you know giving um, like, cause I know a lot of my classmates cause we talk about this all the time. Like low, ES, low SES is like, it's a huge thing. You know, it affects people's health so much, like lifelong, you know, low SES is really, really it's just so much more like permeating in like every area of life than most people think. And that's what we talk about. Every day. But then, you know, the students, they're kind of just like, I don't know, leaving us in the dust, which is confusing because you'd think that they, you know, out of everybody would be on the most like on top of that. But I mean, it is a newer program.
5: Yeah, Rachel, um, it does seem like there there are a lot of restrictions about like, oh, these programs are available, but to LSA students, or these programs are available, but you have to be in the School of Business, or, you know, and, and it's kind of strange like that, um, and so I would suggest to any of our listeners, you know, going to, going to advising um, when it comes to any of those things, just because it really does get kind of messy, um, and unfortunately, like, just you have to go and like talk to people sometimes and and get it all figured out um and even they sometimes don't know what they're uh what they're doing so (laughs) so good good luck with that but there are programs um available um per like the different colleges and stuff so definitely look into that and talk to an advisor about it um but i just i i wanted to highlight something that that dallas talked about um so there is free mental health counseling at U of M. And so I know for a lot of us, <laughs> therapy and counseling and things has never been affordable in our entire lives. And coming to U of M might actually be an opportunity for you to, if you are interested in counseling or therapy, um, to, to receive that for free. Um, there There is sometimes some weights, but you can um, reach out to them and make appointments. Again, this is CAPS and uh, we will link that in the description below. So uh, feel free to check that out if free mental health counseling is something you are interested in. Uh, that being said, a couple of resources that I wanted to bring up. Uh, for one, the Maize and Blue Cupboard, which is basically food and nutrition support. Um, it's it's kind of like a food pantry basically for, for, us, for us college students. Um, and I think that I, I've i never been, but I did consider going um, in the spring of when the pandemic first hit, I was already financially stressed. And then when the pandemic hit, I lost my job. Um, and I was straight up, I was freaking out. I really, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna make this work. Um, and so I considered going, luckily things, uh, you know, I got things all worked out, um, but I also wanted to talk about how there's, there's a bit of a stigma, right? Because, you know, it's called the Maize and Blue Cupboard but it's kind of a food pantry. Um, and there's this there's this stigma of like, do I wanna be seen having to use the food pantry on campus? You know, again, what if I just brush shoulders with Sasha Obama on my way to the food pantry? You know what I mean? It just feels like, like a little out of place. Um, but I want to just say that you shouldn't be ashamed to, if you need to go get food um, and it is there for that purpose. And so the food's not doing anybody any good sitting on them shelves. You know what I mean? So like go over there and get some food. I know that they also offer things like I think once an academic semester or once a year, um, you can also like get pots and pans and other like cooking utensils and things like that there. Um, so if those are things that you're concerned about, you know, check it out, maze and Blue Cupboard. Again, links in the, links in the description. Um, many of you, if you are from low SES have probably heard of the Go Blue Guarantee, which basically means you have free tuition if you have a family income of 65K or lower. But again, only like 20% of U of M students actually qualify for that. The majority of University of Michigan students um, have household incomes of 150K or more, which again, just like the disparity there of like what what the majority of students are living with and then like what a lot of us are living like. Um, I also wanna second Evelyn's bringing up of the being not rich at UM. UM. I actually discovered that resource by attending a rainbow coat panel, which, um, It's put on by the Spectrum Center and the Spectrum Center at U of M uh, is especially like specializes in like LGBTQ plus um, advocacy and support for students that fall into those categories. Um, And so I attended the Rainbow Coat panel, which was like first gen and low income queer and trans students talking about their experiences. And it was really enlightening. Um, definitely check out the Spectrum Center if that's something you're interested in, as well as like attend some of their events. I thought I thought their panel was really great. Um, but that's where I that's where I found this being not rich at UM Google Doc, um, and so we're going to link that as well. So feel free to check that out if you're listening.
0: And then for our final question. Um, What advice would you have for students coming into the University of Michigan community um, towards financial stability and accessing resources? I think one advice I could
3: give, especially for introverts that have have it like a hard time trying to establish like meaningful relationships would be kind of join mentorship programs because it's like somewhat mandatory that you have to meet with a person that you're like paired with, so like you have to meet with them no matter what, or unless you don't want to do the program anymore, but um, that's how I kind of created and established myself here at the university, by joining mentorship programs, by gaining the knowledge of other students and just other staff members as well. I think one of the most influential mentorship programs that I joined my first year was Success Connects. It's in the Office of Academic Multicultural Initiatives. And it's a whole program, like from your first year to your last year, they pair you up. First year is with a success coach. Second year is with a third or fourth year student. And then your third year, you get a graduate student partner, which is you know graduate student studying advanced, uh, doing advanced degrees in your fourth year as well. But uh, yeah, that this program, I, I'm also, I work there as well as, as a uh, mentor. And that program really kind of enlightened me to connecting with other upperclassmen that I saw as like doing super duper well because they were so connected with all parts of campus and they knew way more than me. And I, I just couldn't wait to ask them more questions and like see what they had for me, what advice they had for me. So definitely like, um, again, I said this before but definitely like reach out to upperclassmen that have similar identities to you because they, they've they been here for for like two or three years. Uh, they will know, you know, specifically, maybe a specific person that you should reach out to, like, because they they probably connected with them before. But yeah, definitely, you know, people will always be the greatest resource.
1: I guess I can second the mentorship thing program. Um, The Spectrum Center does have Program they have two where it's like one you can get mentored by another student and you can also apply to get mentored by like a university employee or faculty which is pretty sick um, and I think they also have support for students who live in university housing but like who for like it might not be safe to go home over the break so that's there um, but also I have a few tips for saving money because I love saving money um, but you know these work these work for everybody but there are some people who you know might not might be above the cutoff for like financial aid, but are still below, you know, still can still, you know, save some save some cash here and there. Um, but Facebook Marketplace is amazing. You know, I've gotten so much stuff for like $10, $5 for free even, you know, because people just give stuff away. And especially Ann Arbor where it's like, there are a good amount of people who just want to get rid of their things because they're moving or maybe, you know, they're just rich enough to where they don't care. <laughs> you know, they're just, they just want to get rid of stuff. Um, And also Salvation Army is amazing. I have a pair of winter boots that I've worn for like three years now and they were $3 and they're great. Um, So I love that. And also um, Kroger grocery pick, I I just struggle in the grocery store in general Um, but Kroger grocery store pickup like helps me avoid because I don't know if you guys have ever gone to the grocery store and like you put a bunch of stuff in your cart and then you go and it's like way more like it's way more money than you thought it would be. Cause that's like, I don't like that. You know, I really don't like not knowing how much I'm actually spending. So like to do that ahead of time is really helpful because if you're spending, you know if you're over your budget you can take stuff out without like feeling uncomfortable at the like till or whatever. And you can also, um, you know there's coupons that you can clip online. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then, you know, you can ride the bus for free you can park at the bus things for free. Um, Maze and Blue Cupboard also I wanted to say um, I talked to the Maze and Blue Cupboard for like a project a couple weeks ago and they avoid the word pantry for a reason, <laughs> because they don't want people to feel embarrassed about it. Um, but what they said is because they're like, I think one of our questions was, well, who counts you know, as food insecure? And they're like, there's a lot more people that are food insecure than you think. Like there are people who are food insecure that don't even know, you know that they count as food insecure. But they're like, if you're hungry, come in and get food. Because even if like you don't, you know, necessarily think you need it, in terms of like, oh, I could probably you know afford to buy something that helps normalize it for everybody else. You know, just to have people coming in there because it's there. You know, even if you're making like, even if you don't, even if your parents are giving you money for groceries every week, it is still there for you to use. You know, so it's like, it's there. It, people need to use it. It you know, don't make it a weird thing. I just got it. You know, okay, I'm gonna stop talking about that one. Um, but also Jimmy John's leftover bread. It's like 55 cents a loaf and it's a huge baguette. And I ate that for days. They're they're delicious. I love Jimmy John's bread. And also they have like, you know, their rewards program. So that's sick. Like, you know, you buy a sandwich, like and then you get like a free like cookie or pickle or chips or whatever. Utilize those rewards programs. And then, you know, just a bunch of free crap from the university, like this uh, I don't know what it was. I think it was that I went to, but I found out about it like on some website for the university where they just had and the union it was like a huge room with just tables like wall to wall of food but like nobody was in there and I purposely went towards the end of the night so like I could take the leftover stuff <laughs> and I left with a literal tote bag full of like granola bars like cookies apples like water bottles it was just so much stuff and they had like deodorant and stuff there too and like uh you know little shampoo samples so that was really cool but it's like I guess my point is is like find the free stuff and take advantage of it because a lot of people don't and they're not gonna care if you take more than like you know what you think might be appropriate because it's there for you to use. And that oh also Trader Joe's has flowers for four dollars and they're really beautiful and they're not expensive. So there's that, yeah. Yeah,
2: my advice would be ask questions and don't be afraid to ask for favors. I know there was moments where I needed either a ride to the airport or I didn't know where to store my things after the semester was over and literally all I had to do was ask someone hey can I leave my stuff in your apartment if like you're renewing your lease and I definitely feel like other low SES students or just like friends that you make are going to have your back and like if they can't help you they'll find someone who can Um, and then also don't feel bad if you can't participate in things like buying a season pass for football or basketball I know like sports is such a big part of the Michigan culture. Um, But if you don't have money, like don't feel bad. But if you do want to spend money, also don't feel bad for spending it. Like I know sometimes a lot of low SES students feel like they're getting called out when they decide to spend their own money. And like all of a sudden they need to feel guilty for like wanting to treat themselves. So don't fall under that pressure. And then let's see, last but not least, um, continue to look for scholarships. I guess outside of Michigan, even when you're in college. um, One that I have been reapplying to is called the Lanzate Scholarship, which is specifically for Latinx students that attend a college more than, I believe, 200 miles away from home. And it's through the Southwest Airlines and HACU. And they've actually been able to cover like my flights back home to California. And they've been doing that for two years now. And that for sure has been like a huge weight lifted off my shoulder. So if if you can look into opportunities like that, like don't stop yourself from applying for scholarships just because you're in college. But best of luck, you guys belong here. And as Esau mentioned, if you see us on campus, make sure to reach out and we'd love to connect.
4: My advice, it has to second a lot of what Evelyn just said, especially when it comes to scholarships. I feel like that's my new hustle. Um, I fall into the bracket of the Go Blue Guarantee. So my tuition, for the most part, is paid for. Um, but tuition is just a part of the battle. <laughs> so uh, we just sign up for these additional scholarships, since your tuition is paid for, a lot of it just get refunded back to you. And um, you put that on where you need to put it. Um, but also to go back on a lot of what Rachel was saying, it is some things out here uh, where you can just, I don't want to say get over on the system, but like so many people are not touching a lot of these things that that it's just practically people are giving things to you. And you um I know like I've ran into a few in Ann Arbor and like Rachel said, they're just empty sometimes. Like why is no one I like I guess it's like uh an embarrassment thing that you need help. But um I like 399. So <laughs> I'm like, oh let me get some of this. So um <laughs> I just do things shamelessly sometimes but also like what Evelyn was just saying, you gotta treat yourself Um, also don't feel bad that you, you wanted to do something. I mean, you, you're out here working just as much as, even more than some of these people. You can treat yourself every now and again to some things that you want because, um, you got that acceptance letter. You belong here. You can walk alongside (laughs) Sasha Obama if you want to, (laughs) but hey, she in here, you in here, uh, you all belong here. So make it work the way you can make it work but if you need help definitely reach out and get some help
5: thank you guys so much for saying all that i love it um i think it's really important for for people to share some of this stuff because while there are tons of resources on campus it's like where do you even start sometimes? Um, and so I think getting some like direct advice um, is really helpful. So I really appreciate that. Um, and I just wanted to follow up about that laptop loan program. Um, if you're of low SES, it's very likely that the university emailed you about that. And maybe you were like, this doesn't sound right. This sounds like a scam. Um, Cause that's how I, that's what I thought at first too. I was like, what are the strings attached to this? You know, um, but then I applied Um, I had been using like my $200 laptop, you know, that I had been getting from Amazon while I was at community college, you know, just like the cheapest laptops I could find, basically. Um, And uh, yeah, so I got the, I got the email about the laptop loan program and applied for it. Pretty much if you will call up, um, if you qualify for financial aid, for the most part, you're you're probably going to be able to get one of these laptops. And again, that means you get to keep it for four years, and or like while you're while you're at the university, and then at the end of um, your time, you can either buy it or you can just return it, and then you don't have to pay any money. But and I don't know when they started this or what years this applies for, but um, after my first year, they were like, now nah, you can just keep it. So like, I don't ever have to give my life, I'm recording this podcast on a MacBook Air that the university gave me for free. So please, please look into that program and see if you qualify um, or like, you know, share that, share that with people you think might need it because having this like actually nice laptop that isn't just like a complete piece of shit that I bought off of Amazon has been so nice. I never would have bought a MacBook Air of my, or like a MacBook at all, period, ever um because shit's expensive so um yeah check check that out um don't it's not a scam okay so (laughs) i I have verified that it is not a scam (laughs) all that being said i really really appreciate you all being here today um that's all the time we have for today and so while this issue is really tough We we do have hope that higher education is going to become more inclusive and accessible going forward. Um, I do want to give a special thanks to Rachel for suggesting this topic. And as a reminder to our listeners, please reach out to us with topics you'd like to know more about, or if you're interested in participating in an episode, um, because we love to hear from you. It literally makes my day when listeners email me and say, hey, I liked this episode. Here's an idea for an episode. Love to hear it. So please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Um, And sincerely, thank you to each of our guests for joining us today and for sharing their experiences. All of the resources that we've talked about and more are in the YouTube description. So please check them out and share them with others who you think they might be helpful for. And that's a wrap on the first season of the Amplify podcast. So stay tuned for more in fall 2021 for episodes about Ann Arbor activities and favorite restaurants, study spots, extracurriculars, and more. Thank you so, so much for listening. The Amplify podcast is supported by Optimize, an organization here at U of M that empowers students to be creative in how we serve each other and our communities near and far. To learn more about Optimize programming, please visit optimizemi.org. If you have topics you would like to hear discussed, let us know at optimizemi.umich.edu. Thanks and be well.